Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, happy weekend, everybody. I am, I think, flying solo for a few minutes here while uh, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, gets to the studio I had the benefit of broadcasting from home this morning. Lucky me. Um, so, but he should arrive any moment. So it, you'll have multiple voices um, for you this morning. So what we wanted to chat about this morning um, was just talking about this concept of retiring early. Now early, of course, is a relative term. Everyone else, of course, everyone has a different, different definition of early, but I guess what I'm, what I wanted to focus on today is, um, the dangers of retiring early, not to talk people out of trying to accomplish this, but just to make people aware of things to think about and things to plan for um, if they are planning a retirement sort of earlier than what I would call like a normal retirement age of somewhere in your 60s. So certainly have worked with um, a lot of people who have uh, expressed the desire and who have successfully retired in their 50s. And um, there's just a lot of things that we can plan for. Well, 
lot of things that should be planned for if this is something you're considering. Withdrawal rates from your portfolio uh, are different, of course, because you're planning for a very long period of time, just talking through, you know, medical expenses and social security considerations and, and lots of different things. So I guess the first thing to touch on is this concept of retiring early if you don't have a fixed pension, or even if you do have a, if you don't have a sizable fixed pension, I should say. So anyway, I sort of gave like the intro what we're going to talk about this morning, the dangers of retiring early. I was actually going to ask Tim if he had any Halloween music he could play when we're talking about the dangers of retiring early. And it's like, maybe like a scream in the background, Tim, or like a dun, 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 or something like that. You know, if you can find it, Tim, you just let me know, or you just can play it the next time I say that. All right. So basically I just was, you know, giving background card. We're going to focus on, you know, this, this show, you know, this concept of retiring early. I'm sort of focusing on like in early, like early to mid fifties to me is early. Um, you know, anything like roughly 60 plus to me is more normal. I, you know, early sixties is, is still relatively early, but, um, I wanted to focus on this concept of, of retiring in your, like in your fifties where you're really planning for like, you know, 30 to 40 years or more, I suppose, of, of needing income from your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so just wanted to, you know, first and foremost is just the, the longevity risk that people take when they, well, when they retire, number one, specifically, or, or uh, more so a concern when you retire early. So someone retiring at, you know, 70, for example, most of the time we're working with clients planning for 15 to 20 years, maybe 25 years um, in, in retirement, you know, hopefully anyway, right? And but if you're working with someone who's like, you know, I want to do this at 50, 53, 55, you know, you're potentially planning for 40 some odd years, which is a long period of time to build in, you know, it's, it's a long period of time to build in, you know, inflation assumptions and rate of return assumptions and, um, and just things, more things can vary in a 40 year period of time than in a 15 year period of time. So when you're doing planning, it's just more difficult because there's more unknowns, the longer the period of time you are you're assessing. So longevity risk, you know, first and foremost, of course. So I just went and I did some quick research on. Yeah. I mean, in um, your, in your scenario there that you just gave, I mean, these people that we're talking about, these early retirees, I mean, their, their length of time in retirement is longer than the time that they work. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, poten- yep. Potentially. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's a lot. And, and I, you know, I, I totally, we totally understand why people want to do it. Right. I mean, there are lots of people that work, you know, very high stress jobs jobs. And, you know, it it might come a point where they're just like, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And, you know, so sometimes they, you know, they might come to us or or another financial planner and say, can I, can I do this? Like, you know, if I wanted to pull the plug, you know, next week or, or next year, you know, is it, is it feasible? Um, And so, so, yeah, so sometimes we do have, you know, we, we actually, we have real life examples of going through, you know, this exercise with folks. And, and so that's why, you know, I think that's why you kind of came up with this, this topic, because it is, it is certainly real life and something that people want to try to pull off. And, and so these are just kind of some of the, I guess the pitfalls, right. That we've kind of uncovered and um, um, as we've, as we've gone through these plans with, with people. 
I mean, you'll hear stories of people saying, you know, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, you know, they were, or my great grandfather, you know, stereotypically, you know, so many years ago, generally speaking, the male, you know, partner in the household working. Um, and, um, you know, you heard them say, you know, he worked until he was 72 and then he died at 75. You know, that's not, you know, the, the, that was more normal generations ago where the retirement, the, the, the retirement years were fewer, which is why pensions worked, you know, generations ago and why pensions have been on the outs for decades because people retiring earlier, living longer, um, pension systems having to support and pay out those dollars for more years. This is why pensions sort of have stopped working and have become less desirable for companies and municipalities to offer to their employees because retirement years have grown over, you know, in the last few generations. I just went back and like, you know, you and I in our profession have you know, I've looked at life expectancy tables more times than I like to admit, I guess, you know, it's just part of our world when we're talking about, when we're doing planning and talking about, you know, social security and, uh, um, you know, required distributions, all these things are sort of based off life expectancy tables. But anyway, I just pulled really quick, um, the IRS or the, the federal government has life expectancy tables that they use for, um, certain things. Number one, required distribution calculations, so, for example, a male age 55 has a 25-year life expectancy, bringing him to age 80, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, statistically speaking, reti- if it was a single male, for example, retiring at age 55, I actually didn't pull it at age 50. I think I still have the window open. Yeah, so a male age 50 has a... 29, almost a 30 year life expectancy, again, also bringing him to age 80. So statistically speaking, you could plan for a 25 to 30 year time horizon uh, if you're retiring in your 50s. But I don't know that you want to do that and sort of give yourself this false sense of security. Like I can spend this much. And what happens if you live to 82, 85, 90, you know, which which many males do. So I just would always um, you know, bump that up a little bit, uh, just to build in, you know, some conservative assumptions in a plan A females, you know, statistically live longer. Like a female age 55 has a 29 year life expectancy, bringing her to 84, a female age 50 has a 33 year life expectancy, bringing her to age what's at 83. Um, but still the same thing, you know, generally when we do planning, I'm, I like to at least plan to 85, if not 90, I've had several clients want to plan a little bit later, uh, a little bit uh, for for an older ages, even upwards of a hundred. Oh wait, we. I, went, I, I think we have a caller. We have a caller. Uh, we have, oh, okay. We have Miss uh, Sharon McNamara. <laughs> oh, good morning, Sharon. Hey, how are you? Good morning. How are you both? You sound yeah. great. Good. How are you? Good. Well, my first question is actually, Kirk, why don't you have your car in the garage? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I can answer that. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> I have a full, full gym. I have a full gym set up in my garage. And Sharon, I feel like we've talked about you coming over to use said gym yes, for workout purposes. I and I haven't seen you yes. show up yet. I know. Well, actually, I don't know if you guys heard. I actually got diagnosed with COVID last week. And um, yeah, so I've been in quarantine. Um, It's weird. I had no symptoms, just so everybody knows. And everyone in the office sort of 
has like the sore throat and the, you know, sniffling. So one of our managers just felt more comfortable if we all got tested. We all got tested. Everybody got negative but me. Um, <sighs> so I had to quarantine. But then I got like the next day I did another test and two days later I did another test with my doctors and both of those came back negative, but I still have to stay in the quarantine, you know, field here. Yeah. So, but I've gotten so I much was, cleaned at my house. I, <laughs> I was wondering why you had time to call us this morning just because real estate's been so bonkers lately, right? I yeah. Mean, well, and it's so. starting to slow down. I mean, we have the election and everything, but that is really my yeah. question about what you're talking about with early retirement. One of the things I'm seeing is a lot of my boomer clients are, you know, in younger, they're just like, you know what, we're done. We're selling the big houses here. We're going down to Florida. I have had so yeah. many clients move and just go down to Florida because they're getting so much for their house right now, more than they ever expected. But yeah. I'm wondering, do you feel that COVID has put people's mindset into, I just want to live a simpler life. And that's why they want to retire. And second part of my question is, you know, with all the big firms in the city and now working remotely, probably fully understanding they don't maybe need as many as employees as they've once had. Do you see like them pushing like bigger companies, pushing people into early retirement? So those are my questions. I'm going to let you guys answer. Okay. And then yeah. all right. take off or do you want me to stay? No, that's fine. You can drop if you want to. Um, <laughs> thank you for the I call. Or, I mean, you could stay if you want. Happy to join you as always. But um, I had. I haven't. Oh uh, well. I, the only thing I had, I had one. Um, I had one prospective client I talked to who was older, or, you know, on the older side, and um, he, yeah, basically. You know, he had was kind of borderline. You know, had been thinking about retirement, and and this, you know, the virus kind of pushed him over the edge, and he decided, you know, I am older, you know, some higher risk, you know, of getting this virus, and so he just decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna retire now. So, and I, and I'm sure that's not the only case. That's just that's the only one that I that I've personally uh, talked to somebody about. Um, so I'm sure there are other cases like that. Um, yeah. Maybe people that were thinking have, about it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a specific conversation with someone about like a direct relationship between COVID-19 and wanting to retire. Um, I mean, personally, it's it's certainly affected me and, you know, made Mm. me think more about, you know, what's really important in life and the things that, you know... Mm-hmm. Just bringing it back to basics and what's important, you know, family, like, you know, I'm spending more time with my kids than I have in the last, well, for their lives, you know, being a working parent. And it's, you know, that's, that's great. Um, so it's made me realize that I haven't had anyone specifically, you know, make that connection. Maybe that's, but I could certainly mm-hmm. see people making that connection and having discussions about that in years to come for sure. I think, I think people, I think people maybe that, um, maybe not necessarily older folks that were thinking about retirement, but maybe people that are, you know, middle age that, um, maybe were in it, maybe, maybe they were in a job that they didn't necessarily love and maybe, and maybe they, maybe mm. they got, uh, laid off because of COVID and maybe, maybe now, so maybe that's an opportunity for them to, you know, kind of pursue something that they're more passionate about. Um, so I think mm, maybe yeah. there are, you know, as you said, there are some kind of, you know, perhaps silver linings or, or some kind of, you know, hidden blessings, um, involved with this experience. 
Yeah, I mm-hmm. actually think, Sharon, I actually think it's it may be the opposite. Like many working professionals that had a stressful commute to the city and are now working from home are finding that they have much better work-life balance. They have much more free mm-hmm. time. And so they're actually enjoying their work more. They're enjoying their situation more. So that might even, you know, stretch out their working years if they're not having, you know, to spend three hours commuting and and they can sort of do this from home and they're finding that they can be just as productive. So I actually think it might go the other way. Um, That's a good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as businesses, you know, I've thought about this a lot, actually, like, you know, businesses realizing that maybe they don't need to spend so much on, you know, on their office buildings, commercial real estate. I, you know, I certainly think will be impacted, especially in urban areas, maybe, maybe actually be more popular in suburban areas, but I've actually heard from local commercial realtors that office space in like The South Shore, for example, is really hot because people, you know, coming out of the city, not having to be in the city anymore, you know, temporary workspace or just smaller offices closer to home. um, People are attracted to that. So urban and urban settings. Anyway, to to your question regarding, you know, businesses rethinking things as a result of COVID and forcing people into retirement. I don't know. I actually think um, like business, large companies are you know, realizing that, you know, we can have X percent of the workforce at home, especially in like, you know, professional occupations where they can function the same from home. Um, and maybe businesses finding that, you know, they can, they can save money on real estate costs. Maybe over time, they'll find that if they can have a productive workforce working from home, maybe they, maybe salaries are slightly lower in the future because, you know, large businesses don't have to pay people to commute to the city. Maybe they could have slightly lower price, you know, uh, well, salaries, salaries for their same positions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe the salaries will go up because they don't have that huge expense of the, you know, the commercial space in the city. I visited, yeah. I had the puppy sit a couple of weeks ago and I was walking around the city and I cannot believe the amount of commercial space that's available and yeah. apartments and condos for sale is absurd. I, I just couldn't believe it. Really? Really? And did you hear that Kitty got engaged? No, I did not hear. Congratulations. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's we can, wonderful. We can catch we can catch up on family stuff another time, but I just thought, that you know, good. I know I'm seeing yeah. a lot of people just sort of saying, uh, I'm done. So I yeah. just thought I'd ask you guys the question. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Yeah. And congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. yeah congrats. Uh, and I hope you're, um, you're obviously feeling fine. You said you had no symptoms, so that stinks about the no quarantine, symptoms. but I'm glad you're well. Yeah. Yeah. I am perfectly fine. <laughs> Good. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. I'll see you at my home gym one of these days soon. Right, Sharon? Yes, absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, I certainly appreciate you the question about the garage. Yeah. Hmm. I know. Yeah. Think of all that money I'm going to be saving as I, when I cancel. Well, I have actually canceled my gym membership, at least for probably the winter months. Mm, Okay. What? (laughs) Is that Sharon's phone? Oh, I know. Uh, So we've got got two minutes till the break. All right. So, um, yeah, so we'll just, you know, kind of focus on, oh, really quick. I was talking about life expectancy, um, and longevity risk before, uh, Sharon called in. I found a really cool website that I was poking around at, uh, it was called census.gov and there was just some life expectancy information there. They also had some super interesting population information there. I was assuming because it was a .gov, it was a reputable 
reputable website, but actually I don't know for sure. Um, anyway, I found this little blurb on census.gov that said between 1960 and 2015, life expectancy for the total population in the United States increased by almost 10 years from roughly age 70 in 1960 to roughly age 80 in 2015. Looking ahead, gains to total life expectancy are projected to increase by about six years from 2016 to 2060. So people, um, you know, so 40 years from now, life expectancies are now like roughly age 80, maybe 40 years from now, they're going to be roughly age 85 to 90 or slightly uh, under 90. So that's just interesting about, you know, that trajectory life expectancies have increased over time. That's, uh, most people know that. But anyway, we're talking about the dangers of retiring early and just things to consider and plan for if you're, if you're, if this is attractive to you, we got to wrap it up, take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back. You are listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, This is Kirk Reed. I believe I am joined by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed, although it looks like she's stepped away for a moment. Anyway, the topic for today was the dangers of retiring early. And I think the uh, I think there are several R's in dangers. It's supposed to sound scary because it's Halloween. So just for, you know, clarification. Danger. Danger. Thank you. Oh, that was right. a that was a home was, that was a that was a homemade that was a homemade clip there. I nice. Could die, I, could die. <laughs> I I was imagining like a high pitched scream in the background, you know. Right. Yeah. That's okay. We we'll do we'll anyway. take what we can get, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, so, you know, I had one more comment, you know, right before the break, we were talking about, you know, longevity and how it has, you know, increased over time as, you know, I think the obvious things are, you know, healthcare has certainly come a long way as, as time has gone on. And, uh, you yeah. know, so, so people are living longer as a result of that. Plus, you know, you know, we learn more about what, you know, what makes a healthy lifestyle and, and, and things like not that, not that everybody follows that, um, myself included, but, <laughs> um, you know, everybody kind of does their best. Um, and so, you know, people are living longer and, you know, so that certainly ties into financial planning and retirement planning. And, you know, you were talking about life expectancies and I think, you know, the average life expectancy is somewhere like low to mid eighties, maybe like on average. Um, and you know, but what I think is what I found is always interesting is, you know, we have some charts that we use that are kind of built into our financial planning software that, um, you know, it has the, the stats built in and, it has a chart, you know, that shows, you know, male and female, um, you know, life expectancies on, on a graph. And when, when, you, when they hit a certain age, they, they kind of almost exponentially go up as far as the odds of them living longer. So it's, right. you know, when you, when you hit a certain age, as you get, you know, as you get older and you hit certain ages, the, the odds of you living longer go up uh, significantly. Uh, and I always thought that that was kind of interesting. And so, you know, depending on where you are in this process, you don't always, you know, you're, you're probably not at that point, but you know, you kind of have to be aware of things like that, that, well, if you do make it to a certain point, the you know odds of you living even longer just go up. And so, you know, again, you know, trying to plan for, 
you know, you have to, you, you want to try to plan for, you know, living a long life because, you know, you don't, you don't want to run out of money, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the bottom line uh, when it comes to, when it comes to retirement planning. Um, and I know some people, you know, we've certainly had conversations with people say, you know, I want, you know, you know, the age old, you know, the, the age old, uh, they say, you know, I want my last, you know, check to balance or something like that. So some people, yeah. you know, they're okay with that. Um, you know, I mean, our job is to, is to kind of, you know, like we're doing today, kind of point out, you know, all the pitfalls and, and things like that of, you know, and, you know, what your decisions kind of do to your plan and just kind of make people aware of what, of what happens. And then ultimately then, you know, they decide, you know, what they, you know, what they want to do. Um, you mentioned healthcare and I think we should focus on that for a little bit because this is, it's a huge, number one, it's a huge expense for, can be a huge expense for retirees in general, but in particular people retiring before they can go on Medicare, which is a fairly reasonably priced health insurance program, um, the federal program, then it, it, it can be extraordinarily expensive while you're sort of bridging that gap between retirement and age 65, especially as, if it's a really long, uh, especially if it's a significant number of years and if you don't have a spouse who's working. You know, this is, I guess let's just talk about healthcare for a minute. Um, so for, first of all, Medicare, when people are on Medicare at age 65 plus, or if for some reason they qualify because of a disability or something before age 65, but most people, um, 65 plus, pretty in my in my mind pretty reasonable uh priced health care plans there the medicare premium itself is only like 130 bucks for most people higher income earners it's more um but you know from what i've heard of you know supplemental and prescription plans you know some people are paying as little as 200 bucks a month and if they're not going to the doctor very frequently and you know if they don't have many uh, out-of-pocket expenses like that that's that's pretty inexpensive for you know for healthcare. Of course, you know, expenses range based on how frequently you're going to the doctor, how many prescriptions you have, you know, but, you know, the professionals that we've talked to generally are, you know, most people all in for healthcare post 65, three to 500 bucks a month per person, right? So, and you've probably heard similar numbers. Mm -hmm. So let's go right in, if we go right in the middle of that range and call it like after age 65, if people are averaging out for healthcare, at about $5,000 a year, um, plus dental. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many, that doesn't even include dental. I, I can't tell you how many clients I've had that have needed needed to take significant lump sums, you know, here and there from the portfolio for dental work. Because um, So that can really add up. And I think it's one of those un, sort of unanticipated significant expenses. Um, but if you think about it, so someone age 65, if they're at 5,000 bucks a year and they live to, let's just say age 90, that's 25 years at 5,000 bucks a year, that's 120, did I do that right? That's $125,000 right there that they would need to set aside after taxes for healthcare. That doesn't even factor in uh, inflationary increases in healthcare. Um, did I do that right? 25 years times 5,000. Yeah, 125,000. And, you know, so, so generally when we do planning, we're, you know, <clears throat> I don't often talk to someone about, let's set aside this one chunk of money for your healthcare expenses. It's like not that black and white the way that I, you know, do my planning. But just to put this into perspective for people, 
if you need 5,000 bucks a year just from age 65 to 90 for healthcare, and that's probably like, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's average. Then, then that's $125,000 from your portfolio um, after taxes. So if, if your entire portfolio or most of it is retirement dollars that are taxed on the way out, that can be quite expensive for people. And now there are tax breaks for medical expenses and things like that. But, um, but that could mean, you know, a 250, $225,000 retirement portfolio just earmarked for healthcare alone for one person. Um, and that's just post age 65. There was a study done that you actually found. Um, and I found an updated one by Fidelity that indicated that, they, you know, their estimate is that a married couple age 65 needs about $300,000. Actually, it was $295,000 after taxes earmarked for healthcare and retirement. I mean, that really, really adds up, even though Medicare is a pretty reasonably priced health insurance program. So that's post age 65. So now if we talk about pre, you know, or excuse me, early retirees, if someone's retiring at age 55 and they're, and if they don't have a spouse that uh, whose healthcare plan they can be on at a, at a subsidized cost, then they're going out to get their own health insurance plan. And all the numbers I've seen in the research, you know, I've seen are that individual health plans in Massachusetts are generally like 800 to $1,000 per month or more, right? I mean, have you seen, I, I haven't so, heard anything much lower than that unless it's through an employer uh, or, or like a municipality when you're retiring from a... I just, um, so I'm actually, I went on to the, the Mass Health Connector just right now and I'm looking at yeah. it and basically you can, you tell them, uh, you know, how old you are and then they kind of give you some, um, a rundown of, of the plans that are available to you and, and the, you know, kind of a rough estimate for what the premiums are. And yeah. so I plugged, you know, I just, I said that I'm 60 years old is what I told them. Okay. I said, I'm 60 now uh, and I want to see what's out there. And, and so you can basically sort them by premium. And so I okay. just, so I just wanted to kind of give, you know, share the high and the low. Um, so on the low side, uh, the, you know, the, the least expensive, let's see, where did it go? Uh, so the least expensive, it's, it's a Tufts plan. Uh, it's about $440 a month. Um, and what does it say really quickly? Like what is the annual deductible and what yep, are the co-pays? Yep. So for an, yeah. in, in the individual annual deductible is 2,900. Uh, okay. and the max out of pocket is 8,150, 8,150. Um, okay. So even if you hit half of the out of pocket, your 4,000 bucks a year out of pocket plus that was almost 500 a month in premium, right? 470 or something. Does that what you said? Yeah. 440. Yeah. Okay. So that's almost $10,000 a year. That's assuming you have, you know, you, you do have some medical, you some out of pocket expenses. I guess, if, you know, if someone's pretty healthy, like doesn't really go to the doctor and they're just paying their premium, then that could be, you know, that's pretty reasonable. Six, thousand dollars a year or less but if you assume some out of pocket that could be upwards of eight ten twelve thousand dollars a year what about the higher like what what's like a mid-range plan well you know what uh we can come back to that i don't um I, the oh. next one i had was was on the high end um yeah what's that so the the most expensive one it's a it's a um 
that's a blue cross blue shield and uh you know this this is like you know what you know high coverage right and it's it's yeah. $1,851. So it's eighteen oh, fifty wow, one yeah. a month. Now, this one has zero deductibles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it has a much lower out-of-pocket max. It's uh, $3,000 yeah. $3, a year is the max. Yeah. Uh, but it's eighteen fifty a month uh, is, yeah. the, is the premium. Uh, and, then there's, and then there's, I mean, I think there's, let's see. I mean, there's a lot of, and then there's a lot of stuff in the middle. I mean, there are a lot of options yeah. out there. Uh, but that's that's the high and the low, and obviously it depends on on your circumstance as far as you know how healthy you are, what you know what what you know what do you want, um, and, and things like that. So that's a mid that's a mid range of about eleven hundred bucks a month. Okay. Yep. Right in the middle, of that's about eleven hundred bucks a month. From from my conversations with clients who have gone out and done this, and um, from my experience about what a, what does healthcare actually cost, like you know for uh, through our business, like what's an individual health plan cost, like. You know the, the the less expensive plans are you know going to be great if you're real healthy and you never really anticipate going to the doctor, but the coverage is probably going to be pretty skinny. Um, so something in the middle is like you know I would stand by like eight hundred to a thousand bucks a month per person. Per person, yeah. if you're shopping around and just getting your own health insurance coverage before you're Medicare eligible, and if you don't have coverage through an employer or a spouse through an employer, okay. so that's like. Yeah. 10 to $12,000 a year. So like, let's come back to this person who's retiring early. Let's say they're retiring at 55 and they have a 10 year period of time where they need to get their own health insurance coverage before they're Medicare eligible. So that's 10 years at like 10 or $12,000 a year. So that's, you know, a hundred, $120,000 again after taxes, just for that 10 year period of time for healthcare, plus the 120 or the $150,000 we already um, established they're going to need for, for their healthcare expenses after age 65. So that's, you know, that right there is almost $300,000, $250,000 to $300,000 after taxes that someone would need to like, you know, it doesn't need to be this black and white that I'm earmarking this for medical expenses. Of course, if you have an HSA, which we can talk about, that literally is. But um, but that's just to put things into perspective. Like if you've got, you know, $800,000 and you're trying to retire at 55 and we got to earmark 300000 of that for healthcare alone, I don't know that that's looking pretty good. You know, of course, it all depends on your expenses and what you need and, and your other sources of income. But um, that's just, that's incredible perspective for people. Those are some really, really big dollars that are spent on healthcare that can be spent on healthcare, number one. And number two, um, in the last several decades, you know, the, the cost of healthcare has outpaid, you know, the, 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 the increases in healthcare year over year have pretty significantly outpaced inflation, a regular cost of living. So, you got to plan for not only is that a pretty significant expense and maybe a thousand bucks a month if you're retiring in your fifties for, for one person for healthcare, but that's going to outpace inflation most likely uh, in the coming years. So we, you know, we generally use a five or a 6% rate of inflation on healthcare, which is like double cost of living, regular CPI. So those are some big dollars and that's a big, um, you know, we're talking about the dangers of retiring early. That healthcare is a biggie. Um, I think it would 
maybe kind of an interesting exercise for people that are, you know, anyone that's listening that, that is maybe thinking about, the, you know, thinking about, you know, retirement or early retirement. And, you know, because if you're working and if you're, you know, if you're paying for your health insurance through your, you know, through your employer, you know, most times, you know, they just take, you know, take the premiums out of your, out of your paycheck. And I think a lot of people maybe don't look at that or even know what that number is. And I think it'd be interesting, you know, for you to go and say, okay, right, what do I pay now? Um, because in most cases, if you're part of a plan, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, subsidized, right? It's, it's a reduced rate because yeah. you're part of a pool. You know, what are you actually paying now versus what could you be paying, um, you know, like in these, you know, circumstances that we're talking today. And I think in a lot of cases, it's going to be a significant uh, increase. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't know. So I know that we, um, so Pat Harridan, who hosts our show uh, with Gallagher there, Gallagher Benefits, um, he, we use him for healthcare through, for our business, for our, for our employer sponsored healthcare plan. And I don't, I forget like all the specifics, but I know that like, I think because we're a certain size business in Massachusetts, um, we have to pay 50% of a family plan minimum. And I want to say, oh, Pat, if you're listening, you can call in and correct me. I want to say we have to pay 80% of an individual plan. Um, yeah, so, so my point is that, you know, Many people have pretty reasonable healthcare coverage through employers, but it's heavily subsidized. So the cost of actual insurance is quite significant, um, and and certainly something to be considered if you're thinking about retiring before you're Medicare eligible, which is age 65. Um, yeah. Anything else on health insurance? I also wanted to jump to like I did. I, I put a little scenario in our planning software to kind of illustrate um, to give people some real numbers regarding you know, size of portfolio and rates of withdrawal and stuff like that. I think that would be fun to do. Anything else on healthcare, Kirk? Uh, nope. Okay. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about was like the old 4% rule. And um, I, I, it's still relevant, I think, in our business. And it's, it's referencing an annual rate of withdrawal from a portfolio for a retiree. Um, <clears throat> So I guess let me just, let's just set the stage and then maybe after the break we can run, we can actually do some number crunching. So there's kind of this rule of thumb in our world regarding safe, I'll put that in air quotes, can't see me, but I'm putting safe in air quotes, um, safe withdrawal rates. And basically it's just meant to be like a rule of thumb for how much in terms of a percentage from a portfolio can a retiree draw out without much worrying about longevity risk and you know sustainability of their portfolio? So a general rule of thumb for as long as I've been in this business, which Kirk we have to um, admit is is coming up on twenty years, um, and, and and even well before then, you know, a general rule of thumb has been roughly 4% per year if someone is like in that range and they're drawing before taxes, uh, so gross withdrawal, roughly 4% per year from their portfolio and they're retiring at a normal retirement age and have a normal life expectancy, then that's pretty, that's considered pretty sustainable. Um, not guaranteed, of course, just a compliance disclaimer, but it's generally considered sustainable. So like, you know, someone's 
retiring at age, you know, 62, 65, and their life expectancy is 85, 90, then, you know, a, a rate of draw, at least at the, in the early years, a rate of draw, roughly 4% of your, the value of your portfolio annually is generally considered like a good target. Now, of course we do with our clients, you know, some detailed planning because there are variables. People might have, you know, more spending earlier and less spending later. They might have, you know, gifting wishes or, you know, things change. They might have, you know, an income stream that kicks in later. So maybe the rate of draw is heavier now and, you know, comes down later, but you know, so there's all variations of that and really detailed planning is the most accurate way, but that's just kind of like a rule of thumb that's been around for a while. Um, but the 4% rule, that general, uh, I, that general rule, I guess it, it, it really, it applies to a, a normal retirement time horizon of like 20 to 30 years. And if someone is retiring again, like at age 50, 52, 55, and we need to plan for 35 or 40 years, you can't use the same rule of thumb because you're going, you know, you're going to be drawing too heavily. You're going to see capital de de depletion too early um, in your, in your retirement years. And, and basically the, uh, you know, the, the concept of the 4% rule is, you got to start somewhere out, you know, as people get older and into their seventies and eighties, their annual rate of draw from the portfolio can be higher. Um, but you want, you don't want to draw your capital down too quickly in the early years of retirement because you need that capital to work for you. Remember we did a show just a, uh, a few weeks ago about, um, you know, your money working for you and how important it is for your assets to be a certain size so that your, your assets are generating a certain amount of return, at least in, nor you know, normal years in the markets. Um, so you don't want to draw your capital down too quickly in the early years, and then you don't have as much working for you to sustain a rate of draw later. So it's okay, you know, later in life to see withdrawal rates as high as six, eight, even 10% or more as you get into your eighties, you know, for example, because capital depletion in the last like decade of your life, you know, at least from my perspective is okay. It's, you know, clients can have wishes regarding wanting to leave their kids a certain amount of money. So of course that's to be considered, but just to support that one person's, you know, uh, income needs, capital depletion is okay later, but it's not okay at the beginning if you're planning for 20, 30 years, and especially if you're planning for like 40 years. Um, so my sort of general rule of thumb, and I don't know if you have one, Kirk, that differs, but you know, when I have people that are retiring earlier, even if they're, you know, leaving their high stress job earlier and doing something that makes them less money, so maybe they're not really retiring, but they're just sort of, you know, uh, cutting their income down, their income is going down significantly. You know, you, uh, if someone's in their fifties and starting to draw from their portfolio, I think you got to be real careful and, and you don't want to see a rate of draw more than like 2%, maybe 3% per year, um, depending on a lot of different factors, but it should be, it, it, if you're le if you're younger than 60 or 65, it, you can't, be at a 4% rate of withdrawal annually and expect that to be sustainable if you're living into your 80s, late 80s and 90. And then, like I said, if some, you know, on the flip side, if someone's retiring at age 70, you know, then their life expectancy is shorter and retirement time horizon is shorter. So, you know, a withdrawal rate of, 
you know, maybe even five or 6% might be sustainable. So that's the 4% rule is just kind of a general guide, but you have to adjust that of course, for the situation and how things change in their financial future, but also for their age and the number of years that you're trying to make that portfolio last. You know, just to kind of put that into numbers for a moment, you know, so if, you know, if you're retiring early and say you have, you know, um, you know, just to use a million dollars, just because that's easy for math and say, okay, you have a million dollars and you're going to draw off of that. And if, you know, in your, in your, um, suggestion there that they take, you know, two to 3%, you know, that's 20,000 or $30,000 a year. And, you know, is that, you know, so we're assuming you're, you're retiring early, you know, so you're not yet collecting social security. So, you know, presumably maybe you're only living off of the portfolio and, you know, is 20 or $30,000, you know, enough to, uh, you know, to live your life. Uh, and yeah, that's, not in this area of the world, and generally that, speaking. And that's, yeah. and that's at a million dollars, which is, you know, a significant, uh, you know, asset level. Um, I mean, so if you got 500,000, well, it's half of that, you know, it's, yeah. you know, so, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, that's a, it's a tough, it's a very tough thing to pull off. Um, uh, unless, unless maybe you have a pension, you know, maybe that you can collect at a relatively early age. Um, you know, that, that might be something that, you know, might let you pull this off. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, cause to, to accumulate, you know, a significant enough asset base that you can draw off of it and not be, you know, reducing principal. That's, yeah, you'd have to be pretty motivated early in life to, you know, to, to, to save a big chunk of money to, uh, to make that work. Yeah. So I put a little scenario in our planning software to kind of crunch some numbers and give people some actual numbers in terms of asset values and and amounts uh, and, and, and a withdrawal from a portfolio. So, and we just have a few minutes, so I'll kind of set the stage and then we can run some reports after the break. So I put a um, hypothetical client in our planning, our modeling software, and we use this for, uh, you know, I guess first and foremost, to make sure that someone retiring is gonna have their assets last for their anticipated life expectancy. Everyone's biggest concern is, will my money last? Will I outlive my money? Hopefully not. Um, so I put a, a person in their uh, age 50, so I just did a male age 50, not that male, female matters. And I, I assumed that this person wants to retire at age at, the, at his age 50. So 50 year old wants to pull off retirement. Um, I'm putting in, I put in a portfolio. We have to talk a little bit more about, I do want to get to, before the show is over today, I do want to get to, well, how do you pull this off? Right? So I, I want to get into that. Um, but really quickly, which I, and I do want to talk about this in a little bit more detail, you can't have all your money in retirement dollars because you can't access it without penalty before 59 and a half. So I, I put in, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but for this client age 50 who wants to retire and we're going to assume a life expectancy of 90, so we're planning for 40 years, I had to put in, um, I just put in like a portfolio right now. I have it at a million and a half dollars, some of it retirement, some of it non-retirement. And we're going to do some analysis to see if the 4% withdrawal rate or maybe even a 3% withdrawal rate is sustainable. Um, and I, of course I don't have time before the break, but we'll do that. Um, we'll do that after the break. So um, you're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. And you can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com 
or McNamara of the Merrimack.com. Uh, we're talking today about the dangers of retiring early. Um, just things to consider if this is something that you're considering or doing and trying to pull off. Um, and is my music playing? Is yep. it a, an appropriate time to take a quick break? Okay. I think so. We're just taking a break. We're going to come back and touch on that a little bit more and do some actual analysis and play around with some numbers, which is always super fun. So just taking a break and we'll be right back. 